0: Yeah, that's a kazoo. It's a kazoo because I can't get the rights to play the fucking song for you. I tried. I really want this podcast to be good. And, and I, I went through lots of lots of phone calls and emails to try and get the rights to eight bars, eight bars of put on your Sunday clothes because it's just such a great song. But I consulted my legal counsel. Abigail Brackett. Esquire. And she recommended that I don't do that, that I played on the fucking kazoo. So there it was. I tried. I talked to Warner Brothers. I talked to Sony. And in a world where it's okay for the government to miss a deadline on reuniting children with their parents at the border, I could go to jail for playing you Hello Dolly. So pretend you just heard it. The music is rich and lush and and joyous and gets your toe to tap in. You just want to fling open your front door and start singing, put on your Sunday clothes. I wanted you to experience... Experience it too just like me so babe if the hello dolly police come knocking <laughs> can you imagine what the hello dolly police would be dressed in bustles and top hats but if they come to my door and pull this podcast then you'll know why but I heard I did hear that if you use like 16 bars or less of a, a piece of music I heard this on NPR so it has to be true that they can't sue you so hopefully it was just a little snippet. Hello, Dolly Police. Please don't take me away because I want to talk about Hello, fucking Dolly. Amazing. It's what this world needs right now. It's only in New York until the 25th of August. So I don't know what it's going to take to get you there. But just, you know, fly down in the morning, see a matinee, fly back at night, do it. Because it will it will take away all your woes for two hours and 40 minutes. We just got back from New York And it was quite a trip, and it was the inspiration for this episode because I've been wanting, I've actually started and stopped and started and stopped a couple of times doing a podcast on full catastrophe living. Full Catastrophe Living is a book that I'm reading. Let's review the books that I've been reading, okay? Uh, We know about The Four Agreements. That's going super well. (laughs) We know about The Artist's Way, and in looking for uh, another book, that I wanted to reference. I found that I already owned The Artist's Way. Surprise! So I have two copies of that if anyone wants to borrow one. Uh, but that is going well. It's unlocking my potential. And I'm also reading Full Catastrophe Living by John Kabat-Zinn. It's about mindfulness. It's about meditation uh, in dealing with many things. Depression, chronic pain, illness. And I've got the chronic pain area covered. That's my niche. And I feel like I'm going to always have some pain. And I thought this book would be great. Uh, it was recommended to me by my dear friend, Katie. She's a PhD. So whatever she does, I do. She's also a clinical psychologist too. So if she recommends a book, I grab it. And this is a really good book. It's long, it's a long fucking book. I've got it in front of me. How many pages? 1000, 1000. Oh my God. Okay, it's only 500 pages. (laughs) To me, it's a 1,000-page book. It's too long. But I like at the beginning where they talk about the full catastrophe. It sounds so grave, right? The full catastrophe. So I'm going to read to you from the introduction. I'll be the teacher, you be the student. So it says... Uh, in groping to describe that aspect of the human condition that the patients in the stress clinic, this is John uh, kabat stress clinic, and in fact, most of us at one time or another need to come to terms with and in some ways transcend. I keep coming back to one line from the movie of Nikos Kazantzaki's novel. Zorba's young companion turns to him at a certain point and inquires, Zorba, have you ever been married? To which Zorba replies, paraphrasing somewhat, am I not a man? (laughs) Of course I've been married. Wife, house, kids, everything. The full catastrophe. It was not meant to be a lament, nor does it mean that being married or having children is a catastrophe. Zorba's response embodies a supreme appreciation for the richness of life and the inevitability of all its dilemmas, sorrows, tragedies, and ironies. His way is to dance, in quotes in the gale of the full catastrophe. Ha 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 ha. I added that part. To celebrate life, to laugh with it. Ha 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 ha. And at himself, even in the face of personal failure and defeat. In doing so, he is never weighed down for long. Never ultimately defeated by either by world or by his own considerable folly. Ah, life. This crazy fucking life, right? I think of uh, one of my favorite high school... cassettes. (laughs) Uh, R.E.M.'s Life's Rich Pageant. Sometimes life is a rich pageant. God, so amazing. It's so beautiful. The birth of a baby. Oh, my God. Life's Rich Pageant. And then sometimes your father falls and breaks his hip in Batavia. The full catastrophe. And I know the full catastrophe, the full catastrophe has to include... Not only the, the the tragedies and ironies, but also the the highs, the the goosebump moments, the the uh, final bows of Hello Dolly, where I was literally, I was I the first Broadway show I ever saw was when I was about eighteen, when I went with my friend Alicia and her incredible mom Francie and our friend Rue to see Lettuce and Lovage, a play starring uh, Margaret Tyzack and. Maggie Smith, Dame Maggie Smith. And it was just so incredible to be in a Broadway house to I was surprised at how small it was compared to Shays Buffalo, which is our, our local theater, because Shays is enormous. And the Broadway theater, I forgot which one I think it was at the Ethel Barrymore was was small. It was very intimate. I could see the sweat on Maggie Smith's brow. And it, she had won a Tony that year. That's what inspired us to go. We were watching the Tonys and Francie, who's like a fairy godmother, was like, kids, do you want to go see this? And we were like, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> of course. And uh, she made it happen. And uh, it was probably 1990, 91. And during the bows, I just wept, and I, I have a habit of uh, crying during curtain call. <laughs> oh, how gay am I? So yeah, I have a habit of crying during curtain call because it's just so beautiful to me. I theater again is my passion. And just to think about all that went into that moment and how how transformed everybody was and and how transported they were for the time they were there. and and I just remember that moment being really, really exquisite. And it was a different me back then when I was eighteen. Um, Obvi, as the kids would say, but I was definitely naive and believed in so many magical things. And this curtain call at Hello Dolly brought me back to that. I I was uh, I was uncontrollably crying. And there were a few times that Bet stopped the show dead in its tracks with either a standing ovation or just wild applause. And I cried during those moments, too. I felt like I'm witnessing history here, just like I did when I saw Maggie Smith in Lettuce and Lovage. I'm like, how fucking lucky am I to be here? Life's rich pageant. So the full catastrophe wasn't really on my mind when we were in uh, New York. I've been embracing the full catastrophe since my back pain started. That's when I, I started reading this book, when I had pain. and I, But I'd heard of uh, the, the full catastrophe. Believe it or not, I owned this book, too. <laughs> I buy a lot of self-help books that just sit there staring at me, mocking me. So this one was mocking me and I got it off the shelf after Katie recommended it. And I grabbed it and read that line about Zorba saying he's had it all. I've I've been through it all. I've had life. I've had death. I've had heartbreak. I've had true love. I've had drunken moments. I've had trips. I've had funerals. I've had it all. And it, since March 1st, when I woke up with crippling pain, I feel like I am started living the full Catastrophe, like whoa, I've never this has never been part of my life. My life changed when I woke up and couldn't move. My life also changed when the MRI from my neck showed that I needed surgery immediately. My life changed then, too. I have a scar to prove it hidden in the folds, the gentle folds of my neck. Yeah, and it's still a pretty big scar, by the way. BT dubs, as the kids say. Uh, so. I, my life has changed. My life changed when my, my baby was born. My life changed when I met my husband for the first time, when he when Match.com set us up and he, he came out of the car and I knew right away he was the one. you got these moments, right? Uh, but when my mom called and said, your father fell golfing and, and broke his hip... Everything changed in that moment, too. My relationship with my parents changed. Um, In this time, a wonderful uh, high school crush. Oh, was he a high school crush um, that I knew through adulthood um, committed suicide and... That's part of life's full catastrophe. I stood at his memorial thinking, God, how lucky Jackson is right now to not know that suicide exists, that depression exists. He's going to know soon enough, but oh, oh, how lucky that that part of life's full catastrophe hasn't been like, what, what does he know, right? That we're out of chocolate milk. That's like the worst thing that happens to this kid. I have to admit, life's full catastrophe appeared again when, Eric and I were lying in bed, and Jackson appeared like a phantom. Now, you're in a crib, so how did you get out of it? I crawl out, Daddy. I fall, he said. Yeah, he didn't fall. He gingerly climbed out using pillows and blankets to cushion his way down. Came right into our room like, hey, look what I did. So now he's in a big boy bed, and guess what? There's no more sleeping in this house because he is up and in our room, I don't want to close doors because I don't want him pounding on doors. So I'd rather he roam free range. He's like a little free range chicken coming into our room and uh, it, we don't sleep. So it's like a, a horror movie. I recently saw the horror movie Hered- Hereditary with Tony Collette and there's a creepy smiling phantom in the dark, in a like in a doorway that just stuck with me, this image of this terrifying smiling phantom. Oh, ooh, so scary. And now every time I go to bed, I know it's only... Only going to be a matter of hours before such a phantom is before me again. Daddy. And while Jackson doesn't have a terrifying grimace, it's still scary as fuck to wake up with somebody looming over you or under you. He's he's little. But what we do is we put him back in his um, big kid bed and we either lay on the floor holding his hand until he falls asleep again or sit in. A ch- I, I like to sit in a nice chair, a cushy chair. But uh, yeah, we're trading off. Eric does it one night, I do it another night. But it's, uh, you know, the days of him being encased in a crib, the days I loved, (laughs) the days of, of, uh, of him being truly, truly captured so that I could sleep through the night are gone. My life changed in a minute. (laughs) The full catastrophe. So now we're going to get to this. We're finally going to get to it. The perfect example of the full catastrophe, because by listening to this episode, I want you to be able to embrace that dealing with difficult times, dealing with the bullshit that life serves up is something that makes us stronger. It, it, It has us with our feet securely on a bedrock. This is something, uh, another book that I <laughs> that I pulled out, which I'm, I'm not reading right now, but I've, I've read before. It's Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love. <laughs> the name. Uh, I was really into Marianne Williamson uh, a long time ago, maybe 20, 25 years ago, and uh, she bases her book, A Return to Love on A Course in Miracles which is kind of it's kind of heavy stuff it's A Course in Miracles is a hardbound book it's like a bible and there's a lot of god in it and i it was a turn off a little bit a lot of holy spirit but you know i've matured and i can handle all that so the uh, recovering catholic in me doesn't bristle as much but in this book she talks about what is your house built on is it built on rock or is it built on sand so what is your house built on is it built on rock if something happens you're having a well like with me i was having a, a day off because i had pink eye remember how happy i was and i was home i was doing a podcast i was drinking my coffee i was living the life and then my mom called and said you you need to come here immediately your father has fallen and can't get up and I have, I can't crumble. I can't start to cry. I can't freak out. I can't crawl under my bed. I have to get in the car, go help my mother and figure this out for my family, right? Built on rock, built on sand. Uh, my life's built, been built on sand many times in my life where I'm like, fuck it. I can't handle this. And you're not going to see me again for a long time. When I had my, my, my bout of clinical depression, my depressive episode, my house was built on sand. I couldn't handle people knocking on my door. Please go away. (laughs) I couldn't stand it. Like, please, please don't stop here. I can't see anyone. And it was, it was tough. House built on sand, house built on rock. This book is great. uh, A return to love. And I feel like embracing the full catastrophe helps you build your house. It's metaphorical. On rock, also metaphorical. And so maybe this can help us do that. And there's also a great quote in A Return to Love. Hell has many mansions. Hell has many mansions. I always loved that one. Let's figure out that one together at a later date. But anyway, hell has many mansions. What is your house built on? And hello, Dolly. (laughs) Hello, Rudy. Here we go. I've got the playbill in front of me to help me out here. Hello, Dolly. At the Schubert Theater, so here's what happened. Bette Midler revived this, won the Tony, at won Best Revival. Gavin Creel, who was in Thoroughly Modern Millie, and Hair, who is adorable. Oh, he's my secret boyfriend. Don't tell my husband. But he is, uh, he plays uh, Cornelius. Hackle. And he is just dreamy. He's positively dreamy. And uh, David Hyde Pierce, who played Frasier's brother, Niles, on Frasier, plays Horace Vandegelder, the, the grumpy sort of love interest of Dolly Levi. And so this was like a revival to end all revivals. And before Bette Midler took this role, I could have given zero fucks about Hello, Dolly. I'm going to tell something, say something out loud that most gay men are afraid to say. I really didn't like Barbara Streisand in Hello, Dolly. She was too young. For me, it was Fanny Bryce from Funny Girl playing Dolly Levi from Hello, Dolly. And just with a, diff, with a Gibson girl wig on. It always goes back, back to wigs with me. So... I didn't love the movie Hello, Dolly. There are parts of the movie I love, but I didn't even really like that. I like Before the Parade Passes By. What a great number. Uh, I love Barnaby. Oh, Barnaby played by Danny Lockin, who was murdered in the 70s by a gay lover. Actually, I don't know if they were lovers, but he picked him up in a gay bar and then he murdered him. He stabbed him. I hate to think of it. He, to me, he is the highlight of the film. It's not Barbara Streisand. Gene Kelly choreographed it, and I guess Barbara didn't even like that. She she didn't think he was a suitable director. So you can sort of feel the tension. I'm Facebook friends with um. This is crazy. A woman named Rutanya Alda. I'm sure all of you know Ratanya's work. (laughs) Well, I do. She played Carol Ann in Mommy Dearest. And again, I know if you're not a gay man right now, you're tuning right the fuck out. But don't stick with it. Stick with it. Mommy Dearest, uh, a great cult classic, has a character who's kind of a composite of all of Joan Crawford's maids put together named Carol Ann. As we all know, Joan Crawford's real maid was named Mamacita. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is so good. Life's Rich Pageant, Life is Rich. Uh, so Carol Ann was played by Retanya Alda, who I am Facebook friends with, and she's she's written a book and in her book she talks about being an extra in the film, the the uh, motion picture version of Hello Dolly. And she don't have nice things to say about Barbara Streisand, okay? She she does not she didn't want to talk about it. But how cool to be an extra? What did you do today? Oh, I'm an extra on Hello Dolly. Gene Kelly's directing, and Barbara Streisand's playing Dolly. What a dream! For some, that is a dr- <laughs> that is a dream come true. So the film, you know, I just whatever uh, the number Hello Dolly really didn't do it for me. Uh, before the parade passes by, as I mentioned, was to me the showstopper. Ribbons down my back. Who gives a shit? I just never cared about Hello Dolly. You never heard me talking about it, ever, 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 until the news came out that Bette Midler is reviving Hello, Dolly! on Broadway. What a dream. It's, it's a dream for many. It's a dream for people who love Bette Midler, people who love Hello, Dolly!, most gay men. And then uh, she ran the show through Tony season and won all the Tonys, and then she left the show. So in my mind, my chance to see Bette Midler in Hello Dolly was gone. The full catastrophe. <laughs> I it didn't keep me up at night, but I was like, oh fuck, I, this I missed it. We missed it. We usually go to see these shows that we are really, really turned on by, and we missed this one. And now it's Bernadette Peters, and there's a whole Bernadette versus Bette. Sort of a big gay standoff online and uh, in in the theater community. Some people say Bette Midler was just being Bette Midler, which I believe that's true. Uh, but that's what people came to see. Where Bernadette Peters was, was did some acting. She did some acting to portray Dolly Levi, and I'm not. I don't want to see acting. I want to see Midler, <laughs> I want to see Bette Midler camping it up. So. Bernadette, not interested. Hello, Dolly, you're dead to me. And then the word came back that Bette Midler was coming back to close the show for 42 performances only. The last six weeks of Hello, Dolly, Bette Midler returns. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. I threw it out there to the universe and to my husband. I would kill. I would kill. And in the condition I was in at the time the news came out, I was in my neck brace. I was suffering greatly. And I just said, this is like, I feel like I, I'm getting a second chance. <laughs> I know I'm being very dramatic, but I'm getting a second chance to see Bette Midler and play Dolly. Oh God, if only this could come true. And didn't it come true because I have the best husband? He listens, folks. Find a man who listens. I'm, I I said it more than once. That's for sure. But oh God, I would kill. I would kill to see Dolly, uh, Bette Midler in Hello Dolly. And he he got me tickets. Got us tickets for Hello Dolly. <sighs> for my birthday. And I was I said, I'm your bitch now, honey. You he, we, he got us tickets to see Hamilton in Chicago. And I said then I'd be his bitch. But I, that wore off after a day or two. I was back to being my regular old, you know, you ain't my bitch. And I ain't yours, so don't hang your shit on me. But this really did it. Like, you you listened. You're you're an amazing gift giver. And so going to see this was just perfect. And could the world be any shittier right now? I could sit here and without notes, name 100 things that are making me sick <laughs> that are going on in the world today without, without hesitation. But that's not what this is about. But I could, and I'm sure you could, too. 100. Let's just let's pick one really quickly. Um, The Supreme Court. Okay. Anyway, I want to be entertained. I want fluff. I want very little storyline. I want antics. I want foibles. I want tomfoolery. And that is exactly what this show provided. We, We had the best trip. We drove to our friends, our amazing friends that live in Ramsey, New Jersey, which is about forty-five minutes from Manhattan, you you can see it from their house, <laughs> just like just like Russia, you can see Manhattan from from uh, from the main road. I have been lucky enough to keep friends that I made working at Walt Disney World for over twenty years, and my friend Kim, who was a dancer at Beauty and the Beast live on stage is very dear to my heart and she and her husband Darren have three children and these three children are they're beyond in love with our son they are beyond in love with Jackson they surround him with hugs and kisses and love and they carry him around and they feed him strawberries and they brush his hair and Jackson is just obviously enamored with them too they have a bunny They have a bunny named Snowflake. And so while we're in Manhattan, Kim and Darren and the kids hang out with Jackson. So it's become sort of a perfect setup because then we spend an extra day and hang out with them and maybe go back into Manhattan or do something really cool in Ramsey. And uh, so this trip was no different. We drove down. We had a great trip. We listened to the 13-minute version of It's a Small World. Yes, there's a 13-minute version Let's name the countries that my son loves. Uh, and we listened to it over and over and over again. Now, that's one of my favorite attractions at Walt Disney World. However, when, when heard repeatedly, it, it can cause, I don't want to say seizures, but <laughs> it, 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 it fucks with your n- neurology, I think. There's something going on there. But we listened to it over and over again. We got there. We had a great time. They, they showered our son with, with love and kisses. We went swimming and, and had this great night, this perfect night at their town pool. And then uh, we got up early and headed into Manhattan. The drive, a breeze, parking. Charming, just pulled right in and paid for parking, and, and it was a mere block to the Schubert Theater. We had coffee at a great place called uh, B- Bird and Branch with uh, our friend Fran. Fran is a dresser, somebody that that puts costumes on and take tends to costumes uh, backstage. Uh, she's been dressing shows for probably I want to say fifteen or twenty years. I went to college with Fran, uh, and she was we were tight. Fran and I, and I learned a lot from Fran and Fran is fucking incredible. And now she's dressing one of the biggest shows on Broadway that I will not name. And she had, uh, just an hour to spend with us. So we had lunch or had bre- uh, coffee with her. And then we walked around, uh, Times Square, which is a nightmare because it's body to body. Oh, the humanity. I screamed. And then we went to Sardi's for lunch. Sardi's is a very famous theater, hangout where there are caricatures pictures of broadway celebrities and 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 notables covering the walls so if you get your picture uh your caricature done up at sardis you sign it and and uh there's usually a photo op there and we thought we're gonna see some famous people because we are indeed star fuckers we want to see famous people And guess what? There were no famous people in there, just tourists like us. But we were at Sardis, so that was cool. We're in Sardis. This is awesome. So much history here. Look at the pictures on the wall. Then we went and got in line to see Hello, Dolly. And who walked by but Sex on a Stick, Matt Bomer. Matt Bomer is uh, hot. (laughs) He's famous for being hot. Also, he is hot. He is in uh, the revival of The Boys in the Band, which is playing right next door to the shoe Bert. So he walked by and child, I fell out. Although I was texting someone and Eric was like, Matt Bomer, Matt Bomer, Matt Bomer, Matt Bomer. And there he was in the flesh. He's gorgeous. He was in Magic Mike too. <laughs> he was in a uh, white collar, I think was the show that he was in. He was in, uh, he's, a, he's hot. That's all you need to know. So he walked by and we saw a lot of the, the ensemble entering the stage door. You can tell a chorus boy by the fact that they're really tall and they have amazing calves it's summer so they're in tank tops and shorts but we're like oh he's in the chorus oh he's in the ensemble whoa Look at that one. One hottie after the next. Just just going back, filing backstage. No sight of Bette Midler, but that was okay. So we get to our seats there. The seats are perfect. They're in the mezzanine level. And I realize I'm going to witness history just like I did when I saw Lettuce and Lovage. And uh, Bette, a trolley car, spoiler alert, (laughs) a trolley car comes out while they're singing the first song. And there are three women reading newspapers. And as they're singing, um, the girls say, call on, call on. And they put the papers down to reveal their faces. And the third girl is none other than Bette Midler. Oh, babe. <laughs> Started to cry. There she was. And she was well aware of the audience's presence. She was. There's something called the fourth wall in theater, like the one wall you don't see. And rarely do you break it. But Bette Midler gives... Zero fucks and was like, oh, oh, me? Are you here to see me? Like she was just, she was mugging and winking and 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 brushing it off and oh, putting her hand on her heart and she was just uh, lapping it up. And this was her entrance. She she barely did a thing. She didn't do anything except show her face. So as the show progressed, we got closer to my favorite number, which is put on your Sunday clothes and which in the movie I could give two shits about, but in the actual show, I was just, my jaw dropped because the talent of the ensemble was just incredible. The powerful voices, high kicks, and the costumes the hats, ornate, the fascinators, glorious, the top hats, and they were these bright, really, really saturated sherbet colors that were just fucking gorgeous, and that number had a train come out, an actual train, that blew a whistle, with Bette Midler camping it up, flirting knowingly on the the back of the caboose, just just adorable, she was as cute as a button, and I believe she's 71 years old, It was, I had goosebumps throughout the whole show. The the Hello Dolly number was, you know, it just builds and builds and builds. And the male ensemble dances their asses off for a good 15 minutes before Dolly ever comes down those stairs at the Harmonia Gardens. And, um when she does let me tell you the audience went positively batshit crazy standing ovation bet midler <laughs> she does lots of antics lots of little 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 toe tapping soft shoe picking up her dress and a couple of times she was like looking exhausted and just leaned against the wall like oh god i don't have any energy for this anymore and the audience loved that too and it was she was showboating she was barnstorming she was she was huge and i just i I forgot about all my troubles. I was, I haven't been this into a theater theatrical production in a long time. I can't remember when actually that just lettuce and lovage, you know, 25 plus years ago. And, When it came to the end and the the bows, they changed their costumes for the bows into these lilac and white colored versions of what they've had on um, before, like the bustles and the hats and the fascinators and the canes and the boots, high strap boots. And it just was like a lilac fantasy. It was beautiful. And again, the audience went absolutely wild. And I was crying and I was like, like not uncontrollably, but almost like I was almost like hysterical, (laughs) like I'm like crying so hard I'm laughing because I can't believe how how hard I'm crying over the the just the fact that Bette Midler is selling it or, and has been selling it for two, 2 hours and 40 minutes it's just to me what theater is about how lucky for anyone involved in that production oh what I wouldn't give to just be the, the wig guy I just do the wigs and there were lots of wigs and it was just incredible and the show ended and we went to the stage door but no one came out and that was fine it probably would have ruined it for me because I don't know if I notice somebody's not what I expected them to be then uh uh, you know, I get mad. So, I really think that you know this this the whole Bernadette versus Bet, so sort of a a, a gay Sophie's Choice <laughs> being made right now is. Um, uh, Bet has to win it. She just, uh, unless you really just don't like Bette Midler, she was just incredible. And, uh, you know, she, she had an accent at the beginning that she sort of lost halfway through. She reminded me of when she used to do Sophie Tucker jokes. Uh, she was more of a Sophie Tucker than a, a, a woman from Yonkers. Uh, so she started with an accent, but then said, fuck it. I'm not doing an accent. I don't care anymore. I'm Bette Midler. And then uh, what happened what happened then was we went to Joe Allen for dinner, which is another theater uh, goer favorite. And we had a great dinner at Joe Allen. Uh, it was supposed to rain, but it didn't. Uh, life is rich. And we walked back to the car. We got the car. We drove out with not a problem. We had this nice ride home where we just kept talking about the show. We are so lucky. And we knew Jackson had the best day. He went for ice cream cones. He went to the park. He went on a swing. He had homemade mac and cheese. He had homemade chicken fingers. Darren uh, and Kim are incredible. They, they cook everything from scratch, which is foreign to me. Um, and their, their kids are just oh, they're so fucking phenomenal. But anyway, we got home and they were watching The Indian in the Cupboard uh, down in their basement, uh, which is, uh, is finished off and really nice. And so we got into our cozy clothes and uh, Jackson came up and I said, do you want to lay with me? And he said, no, daddy. And he wanted to watch, finish watching Indian in the Cupboard. So he headed downstairs and I was laying in bed thinking about how truly rich life is. I mean, yeah, there's the full catastrophe, but this was just the highest of highs. What could possibly ruin this evening, this incredible day where I got to see one of my true idols perform in such a fantasy of color and boom, 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 boom. That's the sound of a child falling down an entire flight of stairs. Would you like to hear that again? Boom, 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 boom. Ah. So I'm laying in bed. Um, just by the way, laying and lying always fucks with me. It's lying in bed. It's not laying in bed. But does anybody care anymore? I I, I want to know. Let me know in the comments section. Laying, lying, or does anybody care? Further, farther. That one gets me too. But anyway, I knew in my heart my son had fallen down the stairs. My worst fear. Because Kim and Darren have these these polished wooden stairs. And of course, the basement has a concrete floor. But Eric was down there, so I thought, what could happen? I'm just, just here fantasizing about Bette Midler, and I hear this sound. And I, all I could think of was the words, the full catastrophe. It's highs, it's lows. Holy shit, I can't believe it. And Eric screamed, babe, can you come here immediately? And I, I didn't move for, let's say, let's give it five full seconds because I thought, if I don't go down there, this didn't happen. If I don't go down there, I'm not going to see the carnage of the possible broken skull of my beloved son. Uh, this this can't be happening on this amazing day. So I said, what? <laughs> like, like, I didn't just hear my kid fall down the stairs, two flights down uh, into the basement. So He's like, come here immediately. So I ran downstairs. Jackson had a huge goose egg on his forehead and was, was, The screams were blood-curdling. Kim and Darren were freaking out. The kids were freaking out. Uh, Darren was not making it any better by saying, I've never seen anything like that in my life. He had every stare going down. It was like a sack of potatoes. I hesitated, but I wanted to say, honey, you're not helping at all. Eric was hysterical because he watched it happen. Sometimes shit like this just happens, right? The full catastrophe. Like, life happens. Shit happens. Uh, It rarely happens on a day where I've seen Bette Midler, and been in the same room as Bette Midler, the Divine Miss M. But it happens. And so immediately I said, we have to take him to the hospital. And he's crying. They're trying to put ice on it. They had uh, an ice pack, and he was just wailing. I was in my cozies, so I had to put some clothes on. Eric had to put his clothes on, so we sort of handed him off to each other. We had to transfer the car seat from Kim's uh, van back into my car, and uh, all this was taking time. She's like, I'm going to plug into your GPS. Well, first she said into your Waze or Wave. What is it, Waze? I'm like, I ain't got Waze on my phone. So she's like, I'm going to plug it into your uh, GPS, the hospital. It's got a pediatric ER, and it's, it's, there's never anybody in there, and it's, it just go. So I didn't even know the name of the hospital. We just went, and he was screaming in the car and I mean there's there's like that that we're out of chocolate milk or I want to watch more Laurie Berkner videos on on uh, TV on YouTube and then there's the crying of I've fallen down an entire flight of stairs and I just thought this is it you know what fuck it fuck it I never saw Bette Midler this is the worst day ever my kid is never going to be the same he he has brain traumatic brain injury and we could have prevented it if we'd only put a helmet on this child all the time and I, I really didn't know what to pick. Like, this was the best day. This is the worst day. I had to be the calm one, because I'll tell you, confidentially, don't tell. Eric was not calm. So I had to be the calm one. And so I was, you know, shh, 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 shh. It's going to be fine. Everything's great. We're going to go. It's, we're on an adventure. This is, it's totally fine. Don't feel, it's going to be. So, but meanwhile, I'm, I'm just hearing him fall down the stairs over and over. Gone. Is the the lilting voices of the chorus, uh, the chorines, the ensemble of Hello Dolly? Now I'm just hearing my kid fall down the stairs. So, just to wrap this up, we got to the hospital and he stopped crying and was charming the nurses, charming the uh, concierge, the triage. <laughs> they have a concierge at the hospital in Ramsey, New Jersey. Uh, the triage. Folks, and uh, he didn't have a concussion. They did not, thank you, Jesus, have to do an X ray or any kind of CAT scan. No radiation. The doctor who was adorable, and I think Gay himself, although he spoke of a wife and children, uh, was just charming. And uh, we observed him till about ten thirty at night and then we got to go home he was being completely being himself and I just thought this is now I have a podcast (laughs) this is what life is about either you don't know how to breastfeed your baby or both Derek makes you sick at Tiffany's that's a Roseanne Rosanna Dana reference uh Gilda Radner was another huge influence for me uh as a as a as a young teen and we used to do all kinds of uh, routines as as uh, Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana. And she does this one where a Mrs. Richard Fader from Fort Lee, New Jersey writes, Dear Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, if I eat chocolate, will my breasts make chocolate milk? And she's like, Gee, Mrs. Fader, boy, are you stupid. And then she continues to say, She sees Bo Derek at Tiffany's and she sneezes, and a long nose hair comes out of her nose. She wants to pull down two more hairs, braid it, and put a bead on it. And she says, Hey, Bo, what are you trying to do? Make me sick? So she ends it with, with it's always, as my nana, nana Rosanna Dana, used to say, it's always something. Either you don't know how to breastfeed your baby, or Bo Derek makes you sick at Tiffany's. And I say it's always something. Either Bet Midler's making you cry in a glorious standing ovation, or your child is possibly hemorrhaging from the head from falling down a flight of stairs. <laughs> and that's really, my friends, what life's full catastrophe is about. It's all on the same day. You could have the highest of highs goosebumps feeling that elevated feeling of just being not even in your body. You're so happy to being so devastated by a sound that you heard that could mean the possible end of a life. (laughs) Oh, those stairs were hard, but he did great. He did great. But really either you don't know how to breastfeed your baby or both. Derek makes you sick at Tiffany's. It could all happen in one day. So I feel, I feel really Really good about building my house on rock. I was calm. I was pretty calm. I learned how to take care of a, a really rough situation and fast. I always think about what if I have to go to the ER in my pajamas? But I learned how to change my, I did a quick change myself. I talk about a theater quick change. Fran. Uh, I changed my own clothes really fast and got to the ER to see the possibly gay doctor. And he gave Jackson stickers and it all turned out well. And then the next day we had an awesome day and had a great ride home. And, and now we're back. So I'm encouraging you to embrace life's full catastrophe. It's it's life. It's birth. It's death. It's suicide. It's it's Bette Midler. It's standing ovations. It's hospitals. It's IVs. It's my father breaking his hip. It's me being home having Pink which is the positive in that one. It's just, it's just embrace it. As Zorba the Greek said, it's, I got it all. I got it all. I got a, a husband, a, a house, a kid, life's full catastrophe. So this episode was supposed to close with the glorious ensemble of the revival of Hello Dolly, finishing off this, this full catastrophe and the process trying to get the rights. Cause I don't want to go to jail. It would be me too. that goes. For, to Hello Dolly Jail. So I actually asked the, um, the rights keeper over at Warner Brothers, okay, what if I hum it? He <laughs> said I, I wouldn't go to jail for humming it, but I'm not even so sure. So I'm going to close out with a the glorious, well-known titular song. Hello, Dolly. And just know that I really tried for you. I've, I've lost sleep over this. Really, not since adopting my son and and worrying over paperwork and making phone calls have I put this much effort into anything, trying to buy the rights to 20 seconds of uh, music for you, my friends, my cherished friends. OK, so here we go. Let me grab my kazoo. Actually, I went to Party City to buy these fucking kazoos, and they were out of large kazoos, so I had to buy a small kazoo. And then I was driving home and blowing through it like... Thinking this fucking thing doesn't work. So, Abby, my lawyer, had to show me how to use a fucking kazoo in the middle of our HR department, scaring everyone. And uh, so, I guess I do know how to use a kazoo. So, here we go. No, No, I don't. (laughs) Okay, here I go. Too high. Gasp. <laughs> Big ending. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.